Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. If you have never listened to my show before, you can visit the show blog and learn more about it. It is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And to kick off the show, I have Eve Schwab standing by, and she's written this great book, Year of No Garbage. I can't even imagine. Recycling Lies, Plastic Problems, and One Woman's Trashy Journey to Zero Waste. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Eve Schwab is a humorist and stunt memoirist, memoirist extraordinaire. She tackles her most difficult challenge to date, garbage. She convinced her husband and two daughters to go along with her, and she attempts the seemingly impossible, living in the modern world without creating any trash at all, for an entire year, and, as it turns out, during a pandemic. Thanks for joining us, Eve. Thanks for having me on, Janine. Well, congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you. No, you it's had very a, exciting. I, I know, and I know you've written uh, several books. One was The Year of No Sugar. Yes, also a big challenge. <laughs> wow, I'm going to have to have you back and talk about that one. <laughs> so let's dive into this. You're calling in from, from Vermont, and during the pandemic, or right at the beginning, you decided to go a year without garbage. How did this come about? Well, so I, um, I, I've always been kind of fascinated with garbage ever since I was a little kid. I remember, you know, we didn't even have recycling back then in the 70s. We just had one big black bag under the kitchen sink and everything went in it. And even back then as a little kid, I remember thinking to myself, that doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder where that all goes, and I wonder if it's anywhere good. <laughs> and a lot has changed since then, and, um, but I'm still fascinated with trash and garbage and recycling and the planet and all these issues. And after having given up sugar for a year and then giving up clutter for a year, it seemed like the next logical step was to go with this third obsession of mine, which was garbage. So I, I decided our whole family, I had to convince them <laughs> to get on board with going for an entire calendar year without throwing anything away. I could just picture it now, but mom. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of but moms. <laughs> yeah, day one, right? Day one, day two, how much longer? <laughs> oh my gosh, I wrote a really funny, throughout the entire year I wrote blog posts every week, and one of the very first blog posts is a picture of both of my daughters giving me the most unhappy, sorrowful, angry look, holding, you know, something that they were going to have to carry around for the rest of the day because they couldn't throw it away. (laughs) It was like Uh, a cup with a straw. And, you know, mistake number 12, you know, two days in. And, you know, it was amazing because with each of these projects, what I have found is that the beginning, which we always do cold turkey, we jump in with both feet, Mm -hmm. is by far the hardest. And the further you go in, the more you learn, the easier it gets. Yeah. Now, did you have a roadmap or did this evolve as each day went on? It definitely just evolved. And, you know, sometimes not as quickly as I would have liked, because, of course, you know, if you're not throwing anything away, you're keeping it. And so I set up a little uh, area in my kitchen that was my impromptu recycling center for all the things that I didn't know where they were going to go or what they were necessarily even made of. And so it started out really small and cute with little glass jars. Mm -hmm. And then it turned into 
bags and bins and boxes, which turned into piles, which turned into cascading piles into the middle of my kitchen. Mm. And I had to hurry up right, and right. figure out all these different things and where they could possibly go, if not to the landfill. Sure. Um, so that was that. It took a tremendous amount of research, calling companies to ask them about their packaging. I mean, dozens of phone calls and emails. And then in the end, I, I had to take a college class. I, I found a class that was offered on Zoom all about plastics, and That's that good. was where I finally got to the bottom of things and started to find out the real answers because there's a tremendous amount of misinformation out there. That's that sounds like a great class. I mean, a lot of us don't know what all those symbols mean, those little triangles, the resin identification oh, yeah. code. It's terribly confusing. And I think sometimes sometimes I think that's just the way it's happened. And other times I think that it's almost by design. Because if you can't figure the system out, then you can't change it. And sure. there are certainly plenty of entities that profit by everything staying the same. Yes. Right? If we keep all our disposable packaging just as it is and keep sending it to the landfill, the people who make all that stuff will be perfectly happy. Right. Um, but the problem is that what I learned is that our recycling system currently is quite broken, and this is something that um, really pertains mainly to the issue of plastic. Mm-hmm. And so I think people generally think that plastic is pretty recyclable, but what I found out is that as a material, it is not inherently recyclable material. Sure. Glass and metal and paper are all fairly easy to recycle, um, they're valuable as materials. They can be taken from one form and made into a new one. Plastic is not like that. And so plastic mm. quickly became the Darth Vader of our year of no garbage. Mm. And so for people who don't know, where does all this stuff go? Oh, this, it's really nowhere good, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so the, I understand that so many people are really trying hard to recycle their plastic, and they wash it, and they sort it sometimes. You put it in the single-stream recycling. Um, you know, you've got your numbers one through seven that are the resin identification code and the little chasing arrow triangle that most people are familiar with. And when you see that symbol, most people think, well, this is recyclable, because that's what that's telling me, right? Those little yeah. arrows, say that's what that means. And, in fact, that's not at all true. Uh, the only plastics that have any hope of getting recycled are numbers one and two, and even when that happens, it's only being downcycled, meaning it's being made into a material of much lesser quality. Okay. And the reason for that is that plastic, as I said, it, it, it degrades. It doesn't hold up its structural stability, and so all we can do is turn it into something lesser, like a, like a granular plastic fill, for example, is a very common thing. Only 5% of plastics are actually getting recycled in any way, which 5%? means 95% is going either to the landfill yeah. or it's going to the incinerator, where bad things happen to it because it's turning into toxic ash mm-hmm. and toxic fumes in the air, or... Um, the the most recent thing that I found out that I, w- I was so distraught to find this out, but we are actually shipping our supposedly recyclable plastic to other countries around the world, developing nations that don't have the infrastructure to prevent it or to deal with it. And so you've got all of our good intentions going to these other countries, and 
being, it, it's litter. It's all over their landscape, and children are literally walking to school through this stuff. Awful. Um, that's, that's environmental racism right there, but we yeah. don't realize it's happening. And so that's one of the things about the book, is I want to give people a window into the actual information about what's happening when we try to do something good with these materials. That's amazing. Now, um, did your kids play a role in this as far as did they learn more about these codes on bottles over time? Like they were like, oh, mom, this is, uh, you know, number three, you know, or no, they wanted no part. (laughs) Well, and of course, over time, you know, we we started out with all this optimism about, oh, we're going to recycle all of this material. And and then one by one, we started peeling away, finding out the bad things that were happening. Oh, well, that doesn't work, and Mm -hmm. this doesn't work. And there are so many programs. There are mail-in programs for carton recycling, for example. I think a lot of people might not realize that there are milk cartons and the cartons you might buy chicken broth in. All of those cartons have plastic in them. If if there's a material and you don't know what it is, it's always plastic, or it involves plastic. In this case, you know, they're multi-layer. You can mail those in, but God knows what really happens to them. Because um, there's no sheriff in town. You know, there's nobody mm-hmm. who's making sure that all these extreme recycling programs are actually doing what they say they're going to do. So the girls were terrific. They, I, ha- I always say I have the world's most understanding family because my whole job is, you know, uh, experimenting on my family so that I can write about it. And they're incredibly good sports. That's and, great. and they did learn along with me, and I document that in the book. Um, the, the struggle of being like, okay, I'm, the, I'm leading the way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm leading the charge in front. But if they're not with me, you know, the, right. I can't be the only one learning this information because exactly. we're a household of four people and we're, we're all in this together. I wanted to mention, too, did you see the recent report about Finland? Uh, they have a plan to end all waste by 2050. There was an article oh, about Oh, wow, this. no. That's wow. Yeah, I'll send this to you after the show. So I saw this um, report about what Finland's doing. There might even be another country, uh, but it's really fascinating. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, is the U.S. really not, um, you know, thinking as far as the future and other countries are? Do you have any gauge of, you know... I, I definitely think that, unfortunately, that's the case. Yeah. Um, right now, the U.N. is negotiating a, an international treaty uh, on plastics, the Great. Global Plastics Treaty. And the word is that the U.S. is one of, is one of the least enthusiastic participants in this process, oh. which is a real shame yes. because this is the logical next step is to have the sheriff in town, you know, and that's in the form of legislation, that's in the form of corporate responsibility. But, you know, corporations are, you know, they they have to act according to their bottom line. It's not surprising that they use so much plastic when plastic is so plentiful and cheap. Um, But I also like to point out that the enormous onslaught of plastic, the plastic waste problem, is driven not by our demand as consumers. It's mm-hmm. driven by supply. Sure. Um, so it's being pushed into the marketplace, and it's going to keep ramping up unless we do something about it because the plastic companies are projecting that they're going to triple their plastic production <gasps> by oh. 2050. Why? Why? I, that's what I say. Who wants that? No, who I don't wants want that? three times yes. as much plastic in my life as I have now. I have yes. too much as it is. Um, so this is, this is because it's profitable for them. And that's why when you go to the store, every time you go, 
more things are in plastic. And mm-hmm. suddenly I can't buy ketchup in glass anymore. I can only buy it in plastic. Um, the bananas are in plastic bags. Why? They don't right. need them. They don't need to be. <laughs> yeah. Avocados. You know, all these things. It's not necessary. I agree. We don't. So, so we need to sort of confront this issue head-on in a variety of ways, and legislation is an important aspect of that. Well, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, and also, there should be some research as far as, are there lower cases of cancer in other countries that have a grip on this, like Finland, let's say, versus right. the United States? Because as you mentioned in your book throughout, I mean, there are so many carcinogenics. Absolutely. So that's another thing that I learned that I didn't know, and I think most people don't know, is where do plastics come from? They come from a combination of fossil fuels and toxic chemicals. And when we say toxic chemicals, we're talking about heavy metals, persistent organic pollutants, PFAS, uh, and many of these are known carcinogens, known endocrine disruptors, known infertility uh, agents, you know, mm-hmm. so we have an epidemic of infertility going on in this country. Right. And could this be part of the reason? Um, we have, you know, so many different health issues, and you do have to wonder. You can't even get through your day without, I mean, I literally, I get up in the morning, and I touch plastic like a 100 times before breakfast. Wow. You know? <laughs> yes. Sure. And I only know that because I started paying attention to it because yes. of this project. Most people, it's sort of like you're a fish. Does the fish know it's in water? If you're surrounded by plastic all the time in every aspect of your life, do you even really think about it very mm-hmm. much? So this project was great because it forced us to think about those things. I think it's great. It really, it's such a wake-up call reading your book because there's so many things from the junk mail you get to, you know, just your everyday life, every everything. As you said, you touch plastic so many different times a day. I mean, my newspaper shows up in a plastic bag. Right, right, even if it's not raining. Even right? if it's not raining, <laughs> yes. So that yes. was one of the things that I, and, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who's really kind of shy and I hate to bother people. So this was a perfect project to make me uncomfortable because you have to ask, right? You have to, you go to the coffee shop and they want to put your, coffee in a disposable cup, which, by the way, has a plastic liner. Mm, um, and that. so they're pouring a hot beverage in there, and m- you're getting microplastics. You're getting toxic chemicals leaching into your coffee every time you get a takeaway cup. So I'd say, could I please have a real cup? Yeah. Uh, I, I go to the butcher and I say, can I bring my own container? Um, all of these are small things, and, you know, it's, it's an issue of personal responsibility, which is so important. But again, it's not the whole picture. Like me buying toothpaste tablets and a bamboo toothbrush is not going to fix the global plastic waste crisis. It's a good thing, but it's one tiny little drop in an ocean. So we also need to look to other things such as corporate responsibility and legislation. Yes. Okay, so all this reminds me of the issues with mental health in our country where certain Mm -hmm. things are so much apathy and not, you know, I look... Uh, at the policies that are, you know, that brought to the house, and then all of a sudden there's a vacation, and and nothing happens, and they don't get passed. But but it's yes. so important because people are suffering. The same goes for our environmental issues. I think that's very true, yeah. um, and that's one of the reasons that I really hope a lot of people will read this book, learn about these issues in other ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's the things I uncovered as we were doing this year of no garbage and thus a year of research. I, I was astounded. I'm like, how is it that people don't know these things? 
we, that the recycling isn't getting recycled. We just that don't. Compostables yeah. are not compostable. You know, uh, yeah. flushable wipes are not flushable. Mm-hmm. So many things that, you know, and it's, again, it goes back to there's no one minding the store. There's no one who cares. Right. And is enforcing any punishment. You can put all kinds of adjectives on a product. You can color it green. You can say it's environmental and friendly and happy mm-hmm. and all these great things, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, not legally, right? And I think that's another, it's a greenwashing issue where it's, it's very popular for things right now to have all these lovely adjectives, but what's the real bottom line? You yes. know, is it really a good product? Is it really environmental? Mm-hmm. Or are you just competing for my dollar and you'll do whatever? Exactly. We'll, we'll make that happen, right? I mean, a couple things. Maybe there needs to be incentives for companies to make environmentally sound products and not be using plastics. Yes. For starters. Yeah. And also, um, you, let me just add this quickly and then yeah. jump to you. So, and also, you know, you think about COVID and all the information online and people would go to a website or learn about this and that and the procedures, and maybe watch something. There needs to be some kind of education and training about this. Absolutely. Yes. Right. And I, I tried to help people because there's so much misinformation out there. Um, in, in the book, I have uh, footnotes. I, I cite all my uh, sources. I have further material for That's reading great. and watching documentaries and mm-hmm. films so that, you know, everything's very transparent and everything is um, above board. You know, this is all legitimate information that every, you know, any serious scientist agrees upon. Um, so I think, I think that that's helpful for folks who are wondering, like, well, how do I really know you know what you're talking about? You know, yes. I wanted to go to this place that I think most people cannot do. You can't, most people don't have the time to say, I'm just going to stop throwing stuff away and see what happens. But I made it my job because I'm crazy and I'm a writer and I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wildly optimistic and incredibly stubborn. And I thought, I'll go to this place of zero waste, and then I'll come back and I'll tell everybody what I learned. And then my book serves as like the, here's the cliff notes. Now you can read what I learned and you can know how Mm -hmm. to proceed, how you want to proceed now that you have this information. Sure. Well, it makes me think of when I decide to go vegan, you know, Uh and you read up on why that's good or why people think that's bad. And there are so many small changes that people can start making now. And, And this book really educates everyone on, on how to take those steps. Oh, I'm so glad that you, you think that, because that was my hope. Yeah. No, it's great. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Oh, gosh. Um, I think we've covered quite a lot. <laughs> oh, I know yes. what. Um, I think that people often feel that, oh my gosh, it's just too overwhelming to try and change my life, to try and, you know, even begin to start to think about what it might be like to do anything zero waste. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, if, if nothing else, st- start looking at the things that contain your food. If you have a choice at the supermarket between the glass container and the plastic container, and you can get the glass, get the glass. And, you know, if your your eggs come in cardboard or in plastic, pick the cardboard. Anything sure. that touches your food. Yes. Um, because of that issue where we're all consuming microplastics in our food, we're all eating, you know, I think a lot of people have heard that statistic that we eat five grams of plastic, microplastics saw that. every week. Ugh. It's horrifying. Definitely. <laughs> and and that, that's like the first 
thing I would do is stop drinking bottled water in plastic, all those things. Mm -hmm. I went through and I purged my whole kitchen. I took away all the plastic spoons, plastic Tupperware, switched everything to glass, glass, metal, um, wood uh, utensils because I don't want that stuff leaching into my food. All of those heavy metals and persistent organic pollutants, those are all, you know, when they get heated especially, it accelerates the transition of those toxic chemicals that make up that plastic into your food. So I'd say just on a basic level of my health, my I'm protecting myself and my family, I, that's the first place I would start. I love that. I do want to add for listeners that you also break down the difference between bio, biodegradable, degradable versus compostable, and you you talk about the fluff words, which I've noticed, too, kind of irritate me, like the word natural. It's like, what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> so you've got green, um, bio, natural, eco, clean, eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, yes. environmentally yeah, safe, a- environmentally preferable, sustainable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none of these words actually mean anything legally. So you can say that on any product you want. Yeah. And it doesn't really have any significance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, you know, this is, and what's, what's good about that is that companies see that, that if they greenwash their product and we think that, you know, they yes. see that as a plus. So they get it. They get that we as consumers want to make better choices, but sure. they also need to have an additional incentive to actually give us authentic change. Yes. Instead of pretend change, instead of greenwashing their product, actually change your product. Yes. This, the book is a wake-up wake call because I even think about foods when, when a company markets something with flax seeds, and the flax seeds are not ground, they're whole. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, you got six flax seeds on your cereal, and you think that's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just like that. Exactly. It's like, okay, this is not authentic. This no. is just Marketing. polishing the surface to make it look nice, but it's not, it's, it has no depth to it. This, mm-hmm. It's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you, Eve? Oh, gosh. Well, um, my, on my website, which is eveshaub, S-C-H-A-U-B, dot com, I, I write a blog, uh, and people, you know, I continue to learn things all the time. So I, I write uh, and post pictures and videos. I do a whole bunch on social media. I'm very silly, so mm-hmm. I, I, I like to engage with people on a level that this is, you know, doesn't have to be depressing. This can be fun. You know, we're going we're gonna to find out some stuff, but we're going to have fun at the same time. And I hope to do that with the book as well. And people can buy the book anywhere books are sold. You can buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but you can also get it at your local independent bookstore. If they don't have it, ask them to order it. That's great. Do you have in mind your next book, or not yet? Well, I'm not sure. The, the way that I got my family on board for this uh, project was to promise them it was the third and final family project <laughs> of torture. Family. So <laughs> Wait, family project. Okay. <laughs> yes. So that doesn't mean I can't take things on myself. Right. Um, and, and I think that's very likely that that will be in my future. I love it. Thank you so much for calling in. I've really enjoyed this. And shout out to your publicist, Gail, who we both adore. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Janine. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Eve Schaub, who is a best-selling serial memoirist, author, and brilliant humor artist. Uh, her new book, Year of No Garbage, is the documentation of her going one full calendar year with her family and creating zero garbage 
If you missed any part of our conversation, it'll be up on the show blog uh, within an hour after I wrap up. The show blog, again, is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And if you want to find out about being a guest, you can shoot me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E at kuci.org. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. Again, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.